If you have your Bibles this morning, you can turn to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, um, most of your Bibles, it will probably say above it, the calling of the first disciples. And I always think that the calling of the first disciples is so interesting because we look back on their lives with the hindsight of knowing who they are. We look back on their lives with the hindsight of knowing their relationship with Jesus, that they were some of his closest followers. But we don't always think about the fact that when Jesus called these men, they were just normal people doing their normal everyday jobs, that they had no guarantee of what their life following Jesus would look like. And this is the moment that we come to in Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. It says, One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret with a people crowded around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Left everything and followed him. I want to preach a message today called, Because You Say So. Because You Say So. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, one of my least favorite phrases was, because I say so. Because if my dad or my mom was saying that I needed to do something because I say so, it meant that I had no idea why I was doing it. They were just invoking their authority to say, listen, I don't have time to explain it to you. Maybe you're in danger. Maybe you're just really about to get yourself in trouble. But right now, you need to obey for no other reason other than the fact that I say so. Because I say so. See, when you say, because I say so, you are invoking your authority into a situation. You're saying, who I am, the position that I have in your life is enough in this moment to say, this is what you need to do. But there's a difference between because I say so and because you say so. Because if you say because I say so, you're invoking your authority. But if you say because you say so, what you're really doing in that moment is you're shifting responsibility. And this is what Simon Peter says in this moment to Jesus. He says, because you say so. It's a shift of responsibility to essentially say, listen, I don't think this is going to work. This is not what I would do. This is not what my experience tells me would be the best choice in this moment. But because you say so, then I'll do it. Because you say so, I will take this step. I don't know if any of you have ever worked a job where you had to work a closing shift, but in pretty much any job that you work, if you're working a closing shift, there are things that you have to do before you can get out the door at closing time. 
There is closing work. I, I worked at Target for a while when I was in college, and there were things that would begin to happen that you could tell the store is about to close. And this is really, really evident in the restaurant industry because you have side work that has to get finished before the restaurant can close. And so for me, I was a busboy, and so I would have to get like all of the bread plates and the bread knives and the butter bowls ready so that we could serve bread as soon as we had people the next day. And servers had a certain amount of silverware that they had to wrap, a certain amount of plates that they had to stack, and, and the cooks had to clean the grill. There was all of this work that had to happen at closing time. But what you know, if you've ever worked one of those jobs, is you try to get ahead of that work before closing time. You don't want to get to closing time and still have all of your closing work to do. But this can cause some problems. Because if you get too ahead of it and then more people start coming in, suddenly you're having to undo the work that you just did. And you think that you're ready to close, you think you have everything ready, and then someone walks in. When I used to work in a restaurant, about 30 minutes before closing time, the cooks would start to clean the grill because we were kind of a nice sit-down restaurant, and they knew that nobody was going to come in at like 20 till and want to sit down and eat because we were about to close. So they knew they were safe to start cleaning the grill. The only problem is every once in a while they would start cleaning the grill and the phone would ring for a takeout order because those takeout people know they don't have to face you. They know they can just place the order, show up, and pick it up, and you're not technically closed, so you still have to do it. And I used to remember this one cook, he would start cleaning the grill, and if the takeout line rang, he would say, do not answer that phone. He would say, do not answer that phone. This grill is clean. We are done for the night. We're not putting anything else on this because we have done our closing work, and we're not starting back over. Now, in this moment, the scripture says that Simon Peter was washing his nets, that he was washing his nets. Now, this for a fisherman is the equivalent of his closing work. He's basically saying, I'm done fishing for the day. I'm, I'm washing my nets. My nets are not going back. I am finished for the day. And in this moment, Jesus is that customer who walks up at closing time and says, I just need one more thing. Because I, I love, you maybe missed it, but I love in that moment, it doesn't actually say that Jesus asked Peter for his boat. It says that Jesus got into Peter's boat and then asked if he would push out a little bit from shore. Now, I don't know about you, but if I had been fishing, as the scriptures say, all night, it says they had worked hard, they had toiled all night and caught nothing. If I was on that end of a frustrating day, I had pulled an all-nighter working so hard and I had caught nothing. And someone comes and sits in my boat and says, I want you to take this boat back out. I am not about that moment. I'm like, listen, I am washing my nets. We are done for the day. This boat is docked. We are not going anywhere. But Jesus gets in the boat and he says, I, you know, I see that you're finishing up here, but would you just push your boat a little bit out to shore? Why? So I can teach these people. See, the Bible is saying that there was a crowd of people crowding in so close to Jesus that he needed to put a little distance so that he could speak to them on the shore. And so he got in Peter's boat. 
and asked him if he could use his boat. Now, Peter, this was his trade. He was a fisherman. This is what he did. This was the business that he had built. In fact, there's several moments in scripture that would imply that Peter was a fairly successful fisherman. And one of them is within this story where it talks about how he called for his partners. Like this was not just Peter out with his own pole and his own nets. He had this business of fishing that he was building. And Jesus comes along and says, can I use your boat? Can I use this business that you've grown? Can I use your boat as my platform? And I think often Jesus is asking us the same question. Can I use what you have built for what I'm building? Can I use your business, your marriage, your relationship, your career? Can I use your boat as my platform? See, the question is, are you willing to let God use what you're building to advance what he's building? Are you willing to say yes to Jesus using what you are building as his platform? How could that thing that God has given you, that talent, that gifting, that business, that career, that strategy, that child, that, that relationship, that marriage, how can God use that as his platform and are you willing to let him do it? See, Peter says yes in this moment to, to what is seemingly a, a small and insignificant request. Just can, can I use your boat to push a little bit away from shore to speak to, to minister to these people. He has no idea that his yes to this small, insignificant request would change his life forever. What we we often overlook is that Peter's generosity actually opened the door to him discovering his purpose. That his kindness just to say yes to Jesus in this moment opened the door for him to discover his purpose. See, again, I think often we, we view these stories in hindsight and we think, of course, if Jesus is asking to use your boat, of course you will say yes. But we don't even know in this moment to what extent Peter knew who Jesus was. Peter was not following Jesus in this moment. Jesus was not his leader in this moment. Jesus did not command or demand that Peter use his boat. He simply asked him, can I use your boat? to teach these people for a few moments. It's amazing the doors that kindness will open for you. It's amazing the doors that generosity will open for you. So you can judge someone's character. You can judge someone's character by how they treat people that they don't even know can do anything for them. See, in this moment, Peter did not know that Jesus could even do anything for him. And he still said yes to this moment. See, I think sometimes we underestimate the small moments of kindness towards people and what they can unlock in our own lives. Because often kindness is not the default. Often when we're dealing with a situation where we're frustrated and we don't understand why something's happening, especially if it's someone that we don't know, that we think we may never see again, it reveals a lot about our character. It reveals a lot how we treat those people. We were, I took my oldest daughter to Pizza Hut the night before the storm hit because nobody wanted to be cooking. And it was packed. There were a lot of people there. A lot of people kind of had the same idea. And we were in there. And this lady ahead of us, she got her, uh, it was a big dinner box. And um, she had her big dinner box. And she opened it up. And she looked at it. And she was like, these wings are supposed to be honey barbecue. And they're not honey barbecue. And the lady behind the counter was like, I'll get you some honey barbecue sauce because all we do is 
we just pour the honey barbecue sauce on those. And the lady was like, what do you mean you just pour the sauce on them? She was like, that's how we make them. Like, that's, that's nothing different. That's how we make them. And she was like, fine. So she brought her the sauce, and she, she, the, lady, the lady that was buying the food, she poured the sauce on it, and she said, now you're going to take this, and you're going to refill it again, and I'm going to pour it on them again, because there is not enough sauce on these wings. And he was like, okay. And so the lady came back with another thing of honey barbecue sauce, and she poured it on there, and she put her little foil on it. And the lady turned to the line of people, and she said, I'm going to get what I paid for tonight. And we were like, sounds like it. Sounds like you're going to get what you pay for tonight. And I just wanted the lady to leave because I was like, if this gets too much more intense, like I might insert myself into a situation that I shouldn't because every once in a while I'm like, hey, let's don't. And the whole time my daughter, like everything she says, she looks at me like, what is going on here? Like, why, why is she being this way? Everybody's trying to be extra kind from the storm. See, I think so much of your character is revealed by how you treat people that you think you will never see again that can do nothing for you. And in this moment, Peter decides to say yes to Jesus. You can use my boat in this moment. See, Peter gets a lot of flack for being the one that denied Christ. But I think we also underestimate and we also fail to realize how many times Peter was the one that went first for Christ. That Peter was the one who said yes before he really knew who Jesus was. That Peter was the one who said, God, Jesus, if, if that's you on the water, call me out. I want to walk on the water. I want to go first. See, I think right now we live in this culture where it's interesting that like we, we try to find new ways to say no. We try to find different ways to say no to people. And I hear a lot of talk about, about how you should say no to anything that doesn't align with the vision and the mission that you have for your life, that, that you have to say no to anything. But what we don't realize in this moment is that Peter allowing Jesus to use his boat to teach to these people did not advance his career as a fisherman at all. It did not benefit him at all. He just said yes in that moment. He just said yes in that moment that he could have easily said no. He could have just said, I just cleaned the boat. I'm washing my nets. You're not using my boat. This is my business. You might get hurt on my boat. Then what happens to my insurance? I don't know if they had insurance then. But there were, there's so many reasons to say no, and yet Peter said yes. See, what I think is interesting in this moment is that Peter could have been so consumed in what he thought was his purpose that he actually ever, never discovered the purpose that God had for him. He could have said, no, I am a fisherman. This has nothing to do with fishing. So the answer is no. And yet he stepped back and he said, how could God use this? We can't be people who become so consumed with what we're trying to accomplish that we forget to step back and say, how could God use this? How could God use what I have as his platform? Jesus just needed a platform to minister to people in that moment. And I think it's interesting because we live in a culture where everybody is trying to build a platform. Everybody has a platform. Everybody has social media. Everybody is trying to build their platform. And we focus on, can you build your platform? More likes, more follows, more shares, more retweets, all of the things. How can we build our platform? I think it's interesting that Jesus said, I can use anything as a platform to build people. And so often we, we try to build our platform by using people rather than using the platform that God has given us to build people. And the model of Jesus was, I can use anything as a platform to build people, but I don't use people to build my platform. 
That, that, that I do not use people to build my flat platform. See, God has blessed you with something that, that you still see as a means for provision for yourself that God wants you to use as a platform for others. That God wants you to use as a platform as others. Peter easily could have said no in this moment, but he said yes. And, and it says that Peter had been out fishing all night, and he had tried everything he knew to try, and it still wasn't working. In fact, the Bible says that he worked all night and found no results. I think that it would have been very easy in this environment for Peter to be like, man, you don't even want to use my boat. My boat is very unsuccessful right now. My boat is not working right now. If I can't even catch fish in my boat, you do not want to use my boat as a platform. Nothing good is coming from this boat right now. See, what I, what I think is interesting in this moment is that God can use something that doesn't even seem to be working as his platform to build people. That God can use something that seems like a frustration as his platform. See, that is good news for someone in this place who's walking through a marriage or a parenting situation or a business situation that you feel like this is just not working. I have tried everything and this is just not working. That God can look at something that seemingly is not working. He can look at something where you have tried everything. You've tried everything with your child. You've tried everything in your marriage. You've tried everything in your business and it's not working. Jesus can still use it as his platform. And by the end of the story, it's working better than it had ever worked before that he's catching more fish than he had ever worked before, that he is doing more than he had ever done before. See, what's not working from your perspective is still worth using for God's purpose. It's still worth using for God's purpose. See, I think so often we think we have to get this thing working right before it's useful. We have to get this thing firing on all cylinders before it's useful. But Jesus says, I, I can use what is seemingly not working for my purpose. I was a bratty kid. That is an understatement. I, I was always in trouble. I was always, and not like bad trouble. Like I wasn't like a gangbanger. You can probably tell that. I wasn't like, I wasn't like out roughing people up. I was just, I was just like the class clown. I was too quick. It was like, it was like my mind worked quick, so quick that I would say something before I realized that I shouldn't say it. And I was the pastor's kid. My dad was the pastor and I was always causing trouble at church. And it's a, a tough situation for the pastor's kid to always be causing trouble in church. And I remember this one time we had, um, we had something called Royal Rangers, which was, uh, it's like Christian Boy Scouts. And we had it every Wednesday night at church. And uh, we, had, we had this thing called Royal Rangers. And you, you could earn different badges. And based on the badges, you could get different cards. And there was this one card called the Chop and Cut card. And the Chop and Cut card meant that you could use a pocket knife at Royal Rangers. Like you could whittle. You, could, you were allowed. You had passed. You knew how to pass. There was a way that you passed the knife with the handle out. And then you say, I have the knife. It was this whole thing. And... And then it was safe. Like the other person could let go. I have the knife. And there was this whole thing. Well, I was like 10. I did not have my chop and cut card. And we were out on a Royal Ranger retreat. And I was sitting there whittling. Didn't have my chop and cut card. Keep that in mind. So I'm sitting there whittling away. And we had this guy that was over us. And his name was Commander Chris. And Commander Chris was not happy about most of the things that I did. And 
And this is a total side note. Commander Chris had a last name that I will not say. It is an actual uh, inappropriate word. His last name was like actually a word that you would not say. And it was all my life I thought, how do you not change that last name? Like it didn't sound like a bad, it was a bad word. It was like a word that we were not allowed to say as kids. What's his last name? And for a kid, that is like a dream come true that an authority figure would have a name that you're not allowed to say. And so he always liked to be called Commander Chris, but we would always call him by Commander Bad Word because that was fun. And, but also, like, he wouldn't acknowledge that his name was that, so he would just try to play it cool and be like, oh, you can call me Commander Chris. And we're like, no, we're good. We're respectful kids. We will call you Commander... Again, side note. So we would call it, he just didn't like us, basically. And so I'm sitting there whittling, and, and he comes up to me, Commander Chris comes up to me, and he, and he says, also, he asked me a question that he knew the answer to. And I do not like, if you are going to accuse me of something, accuse me of it. Don't ask me a question that you already know the answer to. Just accuse me of it. And he walks up to me, and he says, uh, running bear. Oh, <clears throat> My Royal Ranger uh, name was Running Bear. I don't think I mentioned that. He says, he says, Running Bear, I don't, <laughs> he says, I don't think you have your chop and cut, or he says, do you have your chop and cut card? And before I can even think about it, I said, I'll chop and cut you. <laughs> Pastor's kid, I'll chop and cut you. That was my last night in Royal Rangers. True story. I, for the rest of, for the rest of my life, from about 12 to 15, when I should have been in Royal Rangers, I had to ride around with our security guard on a golf cart because I wasn't allowed in there and I wasn't allowed in youth yet. And so it was like this weird in between where I got kicked out of Royal Rangers and, and I was always in tr I did not have it together at all. But when I turned about 13 years old, we had a children's pastor who, who he, he began to pull me in and be like, Hey, why don't you help me lead this? Why, why, don't you, why don't you take some responsibility and why don't you start doing this? And, and the other teachers, the Sunday school teachers, the teachers at our school, because our school was connected to our church, they were like, you cannot use him for things. He threatens to chop and cut people. You cannot use him for things. But can I tell you, I am so grateful for people in my life who came along and said, look, it doesn't matter that you don't quite have it all together. I can still use you and God can still use you. And see, this is Peter's story because Peter was kind of always getting it right enough to be along for the ride, but wrong enough for people to think that he should not be used. And can I just tell you that even if you are in a place in your life where you feel like, man, I don't have it together enough to be used, God can still use you. Maybe you're in a marriage that you think, we, we don't have it together enough for God to use us. God can still use you. Maybe you're parenting a child that is like me. God bless you. God bless you if you're parenting a child that is kind of like me and you think, man, I just hope this child doesn't end up in jail. I just, God, just don't let them end up in jail. Let me tell you something. God can use those children. God can use those marriages. God can use those things that feel like they're not working in your life for his purposes. But so often we think that we have to have it all together before God can use us in this moment. Peter was washing his nets to say, man, I am done fishing for today. And I want to say to somebody in this room who has some area of their life where they say, I am done with this, that God likes to use things that you think you're finished with. That, that so often God is trying to use something that you're trying to put away. 
Peter's out there saying, I am putting these nets away because fishing is not working for me today. I'm putting these nets away because maybe this isn't for me anymore. If I'm a fisherman, how could I fish all night and catch nothing? And maybe some of you feel that in your life right now. If I'm supposed to do this, if I'm supposed to be this, why isn't it coming together? Listen, sometimes Jesus is calling you to use what you are trying to put away. And in this moment, Peter says yes to Jesus. And it's interesting because Jesus goes out into the shallow water. He goes out into the shallow water and and he teaches the people and he instructs the people. And then after that, He says to Peter, now launch out into the deep and cast your nets on the other side. Cast your nets on the other side. But really, before we even get to that, think about what Jesus is asking Peter to do in this moment. He's asking Peter to go deeper into something that doesn't seem like it's working. He's asking him to go deeper into something that he's just failed at all night. All of Peter's experience would have told him that there is no reason to go back out. There is no reason to go deeper. There is no reason to try one more time. You want me to put more effort? You want me to put more resources? You want me to invest more into this thing that I've spent all night failing at? That doesn't make any sense. Why would I invest more in what isn't working? But in this moment, Jesus says, I I know that you've been trying. I know that you've been trying. I know that you've tried all night long, but we're going to try one more time. And, And the difference is this time I'm involved in the equation. And For some of you who have had an area in your life where you've been trying and trying and trying and it feels like you've been failing and you've been failing and you've been failing, maybe it's time to invite Jesus into the equation. Maybe it's time to try one more time with Jesus in the equation, with Jesus in your boat. See, some of you have tried so many times and it's not working. You've tried so many times to fix your marriage. You've tried so many times to to guide your children. You've tried so many times and it's not working. Let me tell you, if you invite Jesus into the situation, you'll be surprised what happens. See, in this moment, I think it's interesting that Jesus says, now you have to push out a little more from the shore. In fact, many translations say, now launch out into the, into the deep. Get into deeper waters. Get into deeper waters. Launch out into the deep. See, I think it's interesting in this moment that Jesus said, I can teach in these shallow waters, but if you want to experience it, you're going to have to go into these deeper waters that I can teach you up here, but in order to actually experience it, you're going to have to go into deeper waters. You can maybe understand what I'm saying to you in these shallow waters, but if you actually want to experience God's work in your life, you're going to have to trust me enough to actually go deeper. You're going to have to actually trust me enough to move beyond your understanding. See, it requires trust. Proverbs 3, verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. See, you have to get to a place where you trust God beyond the shallow waters of understanding and move into the deep waters of experience. That you move beyond the shallow waters of just understanding. There are things that I can fully understand and, and also not believe. I can fully understand things that I do not believe. 
What, what separates fully understanding something from actually believing it is the actions I take based on that understanding. And so Jesus is saying, launch out into the deep and cast your nets on the other side. See, sometimes you have to get to a place where even if your experience tells you that it makes no sense to keep trying, even if your experience tells you that it makes no sense to continue down this path, even if, like Peter, your experience tells you that there's no way this is going to work out for my good, that you turn around and you say, because you say so, I will take this step. Because you say so, I will go deeper. Because you say so, I will let my nets down one more time. When God is trying to use what you are putting away, you have to sometimes say, because you say so, not because it lines up with your experience, not because it lines up with what you think you should do or what you want to do, but because he says so. See, I think so often the abundance that God has for us is just on the other side of our obedience. It says that Peter launched out into the deep when it made no sense, when he had tried all night, when he had fished all night, to no avail, he launched out into the deep and he caught more fish than he had ever caught in his life. The abundance that Jesus had for Peter was on the other side of his obedience. See, it's interesting what happens when you take what you have and you say, Jesus, you can use this as your platform. You can use this as your platform. You can have it. It's amazing how he turns around and blesses that thing. It's amazing how he turns around and blesses that thing. It doesn't matter whether it's working or it feels like it's failing. God can use his platform or anything that you have as a platform and restore it beyond anything that you've ever experienced. Beyond anything that you've ever experienced. See, so sometimes, sometimes it feels like the life that God has for you is on the other side of a battle like Jonathan we talked about week one sometimes it's on the other side of a barrier like Joshua we talked about last week with the Jordan River but sometimes it's just on the other side of your obedience it's on the other side of your yes it's on the other side of no longer trying on your own it's on the other side of giving Jesus a place in your boat it's on the other side of your obedience some of you have been trying to do life on your own trying and trying and trying and trying and trying and it has not worked and today is the day that you need to invite Jesus to be a part of your life that you need to say, what I have is yours, that I've tried it my way and it hasn't worked. And so now I'm gonna try it one more time, but this time it'll be different because I know that you will be with me. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning all across this room?